Now the wrecking ball that is the US dollar soldiers on. FX and cross asset volatilities on the rise, crude overlooks an SPR release scare, and we look ahead at what could be a wild December. We go inside markets and more as we assess the trade-off. Well, hi, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Chris Wesson, Head of Research here at Pepstone. I'm joined by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. Now, we're going to be unpacking, we're going to be analysing, navigating all the landmines, the thematics, the setups and trading views that really resonate in this mad world of trading at the moment. So don't forget, if you do like what you hear, smash the like button. And it goes without saying that anything you hear today should be considered general in nature. So do your own homework and do your own research in this programme. But without further ado, let's get into it today. And I'm joined today by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. Welcome, Blake. I just hey, thanks, I, Chris. Thanks for having me here. Mate, I, I can't let you off because, yeah, last week you and I were having a chat about whether it was going to be Jerome Powell or Lyle Brenyard as the head of the Federal Reserve. Now, we made a bet. I can't exactly <laughs> sure what the monetary value of the bet was, but you decided to take the other side of my trade and you thought Lyle Brenyard would get the gig and I said that Powell would get the gig. For your credit, you did say that there was going to be some volatility as a result of Brainard uh, victory. Now, you lost your bet. Um, I did. But you got the volatility. We've certainly seen volatility in the dollar. You know, we've seen volatility cross asset classes. So the front end of the Treasury curve has really gone for it. Um, how do you feel? You know, Chris, well, first of all, thanks for having me here. It's, it's, it, it is. And coming here, and I'm going to have to, you know, face the fact that I did lose our, our gentleman's bet. Right. Is that what but it was, right? yeah. we have picked up in volatility and it's actually been good for the dollar. And that would be the expected result at first, at least right now. That Fed Chairman Powell, you know, he, he's getting the reappointment. He's hanging on to his job. You know, I thought I would have to turn into more of a dollar bear, but there's more on that as we'll continue on today. Sure. But I thought I might have to turn into a more dollar, more of a dollar bear if Brainerd actually took the helm. But she's going to be the vice chair. I think she's being groomed. But for right now, President Biden here in the United States, he took the safer route, which I believe was the right choice especially for the financial markets. The dollar thrived over the last few days as a result. And you're right, we've got some more volatility. But I guess the question is, can it continue? Well, that's what we're going to be assessing. And just for what it's worth, I, I, I totally believe that, uh, you know, that we've got a really good makeup. I think Powell was the obvious choice. Um, and I think Brainard herself is, it was the architect of so much of this Fed policy. Gets a closer route now with Powell being the spokesman there. But let's go into some of these talking points. Let's go into the first section. Let's go into Topical Thunder. Right, Blake. Well, I really want to set the scene with this one because, yeah, we've looked at broad volatility. We've talked about it going up in, in FX markets, largely a result of, of, of you know, rising implied volatility in euro dollar and dollar index more broadly. But we're going into what is going to be a wild December. And are we going to see broad volatility in equities, in rates, uh, you know, in commodity markets? And is this going to mean that for people who are hoping for a quiet December, where they were going to chill out and obviously post Thanksgiving, getting to the festive period of Christmas, are we actually going to be glued to our terminals, glued to our trading systems? Because we've got OPEC on the 2nd of December. We've got the payrolls on the 3rd of December. We've got the US CPI numbers on the 11th of December, which I think are going to be an absolute blockbuster. Headline CPI above 7%, above 7.2%. And we've got the highest levels in U of US inflation since 1982. I was a mere two-year-old at the time. You're a little bit older, I'm sure. Uh, and then we've got this, this raft of central bank meetings on the 16th of December, just before Christmas. Fed meeting, we can talk about that. The ECB meeting and the Bank of England meeting, all within a sort of 12-hour window of each other. Looking for a quiet Christmas, 
I think we're in for some volatility. What do you think? Well, you know, Chris, you bring up so many great points. And and the thing about, and I want to say like the theme of really today's show is going to be looking at both sides of what could be a very volatile December. Everything that we're looking at can really play into, you know, a lot of volatility or maybe things do calm down. Yeah. But I think you make some great points. And one thing that I'm looking at, speaking of volatility, I, I just like to look at the VIX in the markets. Uh, and I know that's not directed to... To, to you know Eurovol if that's if that's what you're looking at as a currency trader but volatility is still pretty tame we're below 20 and I think if the vix actually picks up towards the mid 20s we get to 30 and I'm gonna be buckling up I think uh, it's gonna be a, a wild wild December but yeah. you know I think there's so much coming to to fruition that you pointed out and I think most traders, that really haven't experienced any type of volatility over the last, let's just call it 12 or 13 years. They're expecting a slow summer or a slow winter, excuse me, slow holiday season. But I don't know if that's really what we're going to be looking for. Well, I agree. I mean, I think the, the VIX is worth keeping your eye on, certainly for equity volatility. Um, and we can't, let's not forget, we've got the debt ceiling as well. You know, most people expect that to be, you know, sorted out. But I think by about mid-December, if we haven't heard a record, you know, some sort of agreement coming through, uh, I think the Treasury Department are going to struggle with the cash balances. And I think, you know, you're going to see some you know, some decent moves higher in yields in the bill complex. And then maybe the US dollar is going to come off against things like the Japanese yen and the Swiss franc as well. And maybe equity volatility starts taking notice as well. But I think specifically for me, that CPI number on the 11th for us here in Australia, you know, I think that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. We know it's going to be high. We know it's going to be above 7%. And we were up, we're, we're sort of anticipating it. But is this this known unknown going to be the situation where we say, hang on, enough's enough. Let's let's subtract risk into year end. I think there's a, a really good possibility that's going to be the case. Well, that you know, that's that that that's where we really have to turn our attention to the S&P. And that's what I want the topic I wanted to bring up today, yeah. because it seems like everything really evolves around the S&P. And the, the traders, the, the thing that most traders are asking is, you know, is Santa going to come with his Santa Claus rally? <laughs> and a lot of people have this misconception that we do get a rally from, let's say, the Thanksgiving holiday. By the way, for my fellow Americans, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you all. Hope you enjoy and have a safe and happy holiday season uh, starting tomorrow. But when you when, when you talk about like the Santa Claus rally, a lot of people have this misconception that after Thanksgiving, the markets just rally and we yeah. see this huge rally into year end. But I've seen I've seen the December timeframe pick up in volatility as you were just discussing. And we see stocks actually sell off. I think the S and P right now is, I mean, we're perched up at all time highs. If you look at the chart from lower left to, to, to higher, right, it's trending higher. I don't think there's anything to really worry about, but there is some really critical support that comes in around the 4625 level. And just below that, the 4550 previous breakout point. And those are the levels that, you know, if you're a bull, you have to start to be concerned that volatility is going to pick up if you start to breach those levels. And I think that Santa Claus is coming this year as far as I can see. But, you know, the, you bring up some great points, Chris. We could, you know, Santa could bring us a, a lump of coal this season. So what are your thoughts about the S&P going into December? Well, I was hoping you wouldn't use a mythical creature, to be honest. So I thought you were better than that, to be honest, Blake. But, uh, you know, this is the way it is. But also happy Thanksgiving to you, to you, to, you, to the Morrow family you. as well and all the American viewers. But, yeah, absolutely. I think 4720, 
uh, on the upside, you know, you've seen this strong level of supply coming into the market. The momentum trader in me says, well, you know, let, well, let's wait for a break. If we do see a break of that on a closing basis, you know, then, then, then all this idea about higher volatility also goes out the window and we so do see that, that mystical rally into, into, the, into the year end. And, you know, go along for the ride. I'd be certainly looking to, to buy that situation. But, you know, strength begets strength. I want to buy strength. If it breaks through 47.20 on a closing basis, I'm happy to go along for that. Um, but I think what's, what's interesting at the moment, if we do see volatility pick up, does it mean that we get this kind of broad disdain for equity? We see credit spreads widen and people just say, look, I don't want to be in equity. I want to go into cash. I want to go into, you know, draw down through buying put protection or whatever it's going to be, buying volatility. Or do we just see, simply see people rotating into tech because it's defensive? Do we see people rotating into banks because, you know, um, you know yields are moving higher? And that means that the, you don't see necessarily too much volatility at an index level. You just see volatility within subsectors within the market. I'd like to see, you know, broad volatility and meaning that we do see just a general disdain for equity going into year end. That's what the volatility trader in me says. So there's two thoughts is, you know, when we look at the, the index, is there volatility within the sectors or is there going to be broad volatility within the index? You know, that's something that I think we need to consider as well. And one of those factors, if we're just going into that, is, is really what's happening in the dollar. Let's, we, yeah, I, I know this show is going to be very US centric today. We can't go past that because obviously the dollar is just so key. Everything that anyone's talking about involves the dollar in some capacity or treasuries or gold or something like that. But yeah, the dollar's on a one-way march at the moment. It's absolutely going for it. Higher highs pretty much every day at the moment. Yeah, we're getting to levels, if you go into next year, where if you look at the dollar index, sort of we're above already the consensus view for where the dollar settles next year. And everyone's bullish on the dollar for next year. So, you know, it's really going for it at the moment. I know you want to touch on euro dollar at the moment. Um, but we're, we're sort of eyeing the 50% retracement of, of, of the post-pandemic move that we saw uh, where the dollar got sold off. And we're sort of looking for that 50% retracement. You know, it's held its five-day exponential moving average really since the 9th of, uh, 9th of, uh, of November. It just continues to plod along very much. Yeah, everyone wants to own the US dollar. But is it just, is it too easy to own the US dollar now? Is it a bit too loved for, for you, Blake? Well, you know, Chris, you're right. Everything evolves around the dollar. And I'll, I'll be the first one to admit for us at the Forex Analytics community, we've been long dollars and really bullish the dollar this whole last few months. The breakout in September above the 93.50 level, once we breached that level, I mean, it's been a straight shot higher and it has treated us really well. But you're right. Is the trade too easy at this point in time? Is everybody just piled into the dollar? Now, I'm not... I'm. I'm, I'm I have to say that if you start buying dollars, you have to start not looking at the index, but really looking at specific currencies to trade it against. Yep. I think if you put one, you know, you know, one shoe does not fit all trades as far as the dollar goes. So the dollar index, it looks great. It looks really bullish. And I am a buyer on pullbacks, yep. but I do think we're getting a little overextended at this point in time. But I've seen things become overbought and they just become more overbought. Absolutely. And the dollar index is one of those one of those instruments that if you're not if you're if you're long right now, you're probably just riding it and you're starting to just move up your stops or looking for places that might suggest a reversal, but the dollar index right now, I, I say going into 2022 as long as we stay above like the 95 level in the dollar index, we're probably targeting 100 going into 2022 in the in maybe the first quarter. So the dollar looks bullish. I don't know if I'd be a buyer right now. And I'm yeah. going to have more on that as we come back 
a little bit later. But what are your final thoughts yeah, I mean, on the I dollar think, I, think, here, I think you're right. It's, it's difficult to buy now, but it's just the dollar is a mystical beast right now. It's a magical beast where you know, you're getting that safe haven element, but you're getting the cyclicality of, of, of being correlated to short-term rates. Um, and I think the move that we're seeing now, it, it, it reeks of flow. It reeks of CTAs and trend followers and systematic funds just piling in. Are they too long? You know, that's what we're going to be seeing from the flow reports that generally come out. Have a look at the weekend CFTC report. Yeah, it does feel, I agree, I wouldn't be buying at these levels. I'd be waiting for the pullback. It does feel a bit overloved at the moment. And a lot of that really you well, know, has to do with what we're seeing in front-end treasury yields at the moment, which is continuing to go higher. And, you know, I'm glad you bring up yields because that's going to be our next topic right now is we're going to talk about like the U.S. 10-year treasuries. And if you look at the 10-year U.S. treasuries, the debate that's been around my colleagues and I for probably the whole year, all of 2022, has been the 10-year. We're just yeah. watching the 10-year. And if it gets above 180, which are the levels that we haven't seen since early 2021, we start getting to those levels. I think that's where A, it starts to impact the dollar pretty aggressively, but B, it starts to really impact equities. And that's maybe where volatility, you know, starts to increase. Everybody knows that it's, it's kind of like crude oil. I know, I know you want to talk about crude and I know there's other, there's other topics and other instruments that we can also talk about that really get to a point where it's good until it's not right. <laughs> like rising yields, it suggests, Oh, hey, economy is strong. We've got higher inflation, good job growth. But at some point, it starts to worry the market. And I'm wondering where that level is. I personally think the 10-year above 180, especially if we breach 2% on the 10-year U.S. Treasury, that's the point. That's the inflection point where the markets go, e, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I like these high yields yeah. because that means that there might be some further diversification or maybe moving out of bonds into different markets. Maybe that'll spur more movement in the dollar that actually might create some selling in equity. So what do you think about the tenure at current levels, Chris? Well, I think they go higher. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think it's going to be bad for, for you know, risk sentiment. I think you probably look at inflation adjusted treasuries or what we call real rates. I think they're, they're far more important in terms of the cost of capital. I think gold traders will tell you all about that. But if we were to see real rates, 10-year real rates moving, you know, probably towards negative 50 basis points in, 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 in Q1, as they become less negative, I think that could be, again, very good for the dollar, very bad for emerging markets, already see emerging markets under pressure. And I think, you know, you know things like tech could come under serious pressure. But I think you hedge that by being long banks. Go and you know, look at the you know, the KRE, for example, as an ETF, which is, is one we offer. And I think that could be something that's a good way to hedge against that. But I think it's, it's not really absolute levels, Blake, that worry me. It's more about the rate of change, both in nominals and, and real rates. And it's that, that, that move higher that central banks dislike and you know, people don't like as well. So I think through 2% could be interesting and, and may, away, may away on risk. But uh, yeah, it's the rate of change for me that, that's always way more important in any asset and certainly in the treasury market. But also have a look at the front end of the market. Look at two-year treasuries, which are dictated by rate pricing. I think if we get yeah, above 70 basis points on two-year treasuries, I think that could be a reflection that too much is being priced in. And that could be quite worrying for the equity markets as well. What do you think? And, and you brought in the front, front end. And I, I know we're talking about the 10-year right now, but, but that curve is starting to flatten. Yeah, and yeah. We, we definitely don't want to see it go inverted. Right, Chris? No, absolutely not. Um, uh, and I think, yeah, also, if you go to euro dollars into the, into the interest rate markets, yeah, in 2024 to 2025, we're nearly pricing in rate cuts. Something you need to watch out. 
because that would to me be a sign that the policy's front-loaded, that the Fed are going to go very hard so they don't have to go hard you know, later on. But a rate cuts into 24-25 would signal to me that the market probably sees a policy mistake from the Fed, not just being behind the curve, but a policy mistake. And I think that could be something that, that we need to look out for. Let's go into the next section, because I think you talked about some of the technicals that will be going forward. It's a great time to bring up some of these technicals in That's a Setup. Well, one of the elements that we look at very closely is inflation expectations. I know central bankers don't put so much weight on them anymore, but they're really important for real rates. They're really important to make us understand yeah, what people are seeing about potential inflation. And one of the drivers of that, of course, is, is nat gas, it's, um, you know, is, is, is gasoline and US crude and, w and Brent crude as well. So you know, the chart I want to bring up today for, to start off with is, is WTI crude. Now, one of the things that we did see recently in, is the news that the US, Japan, China, India, the UK and Korea had, were, were announcing that they're going to start drip feeding 50 million barrels of oil into the market through the, uh, the release of SPRs or Strategic Petroleum Reserves. Yeah, that's obviously been factored in. We've seen that crude price dropping from around $85 into $75. You know, when we actually got the news, everyone was like, whoa, we're seeing the crude price actually rally. And kind of the, the biggest kind of sell the rumour by the fact playing through. As you can see, you know, two days ago or so, we've seen that, that the gigantic you know, that, that bullish green candle that's come through. And it's taken us back into 79.26, which on the daily chart you can see has been you know, an area where we've seen supply over the last week or so coming through. So the way that I want to play this in the, in the short term is we go into the OPEC meeting uh, you know, on the 2nd of December, where I think OPEC now hold all the cards. If they're believing that demand's going to pull back a little bit, um, you know, they can do stuff around their output agreements. You know, we've seen them already coming out and suggesting um, that the 400,000 barrel output agreement that they were already dictating could be pulled back and they could increase output by a lower amount. They hold the cards relative to Joe Bi um, to Biden and, and the administration, who obviously want to see you know, a flatter you know, backwardation curve, you know, you know, you know, Brent price and gasoline prices falling. Um, but the way that I want to trade this going into that OPEC meeting, if the market generally believes we're going to see an output cut uh, or that output increase uh, at a slower pace, um, you will see our oil prices break out. Now, the, the levels we want to look out for is this. I want to trade this from a momentum perspective. So 79.26, if we can get a close above that, we get a close back above the 50-day moving average as well. If you actually look at the, the, the high to low of that range, you can see that the 50% retracement of that level, which isn't really a proper Fibonacci level, but it comes in around $80. And that's actually the midpoint of that range that we've been seeing. So if it breaks through that, you know, I think we'd be looking to add, add to long positions. So I want to take a, a small long position through 79.26. If it starts working, then I want to add to that position. And what constitutes working? A close below uh, above 80 bucks for a move into that sort of red shell, pink shaded area around 84 dollars, back into 85, into that 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 top level of, of, of resistance that you can see. Things get very very interesting for the crude market. We're going to see Joe Biden and, and in the team really talking it down. They do not want to see it break that level. But if it was to break that top horizontal level, you know we start talking about 100 dollar crude again. But the way I trade this. Um, Strength begets strength, as you can see. 79.26, we get a closing break of that. You know, we're going into the 50% level at 80 bucks. If we can close above that, I'll be looking to add. And just, if something's working, I'll just do more of it in that situation. Well, you know, Chris, when you're talking about crude, uh, the good thing is, is if you're going to play it on the long side, I think this week's lows are extremely important. Because if you look at the low that was actually put in in August to the highs, 
the 38% retracement comes in right around the $77 level in, in WTI. It's like at 76.80. And so that's really near the lows that we had this week. So at least you know that if we break below the lows from this week, that's the time to get out. And I think having a good risk reward is perfectly set up just like you pointed out. Yep. Yeah, All right. Sure. Well, the next chart I want to show is I want to show the euro dollar because, yeah. you know, we talked a lot about the dollar. And I'll tell you, Chris, I am not a fan of chasing the dollar higher. And it has been good to me. I've been long dollars against many different currencies, predominantly the Canadian, the peso, the uh, I, even the Aussie. I've been trading it to the short side. You and I have been talking the last few weeks when it was trading up around the 75 cent level. But the dollar's gone pretty far. And what you'll notice here is this long-term multi, it's, it's over a decade-long trend line. And it's something that I talk about in my daily webinars, in my week ahead video that I do every week for our traders or for anybody really. But that channel, that support comes in right around 111.50. And it is a big Fibonacci level right at that low. And we got really close to there today. Now, whenever you back test these broken trend lines, it usually creates some sort of support. And in this case, it comes in right around the 111.50, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I think if you are short, you got to be a little careful. Now, for me, I'm a trader. I don't mind trading counter trend. Yep. If I know the trend in the euro is down and it has been for the last several weeks, that's fine. If I want to go counter trend, I will trade it. I just take smaller positions. I know the pressure is to the downside. However, that doesn't mean we can't get a bounce in the euro dollar from, let's say, the 111, 112 level right back up to 114, 115, the breakdown point. And that's the way I'm approaching the euro. I do want to be a seller of the euro, but not necessarily now. I want to be buying near term, counter trend, but taking much smaller positions. This way I'm reducing my risk. Yep. And if that trend continues and it stops me out below 111, so be it. Yep. At least I took my shot. I got to go counter trend, see if I could pick a, pick a low around here, around that really critical support around 111. So how do you feel about the dollar or at least the euro at this point? Because we're starting to see some of the euro cross rates yep. are starting to show some signs of life. What do you say, well, Chris? Well, I, I think it's... Um... Yeah, I think what you what you're going to see from from this is just it's, it's going to be short covering, and that's that's going to give you an opportunity to 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 sell it at better uh, higher levels. But um, you know that elastic yeah. band does feel like it's stretched. I was talking to a client earlier and it says, oh, you know, the the 14 day RSI on the euro dollar is at you know 26 or so, 25. Uh, so I, I did look, and since since 2000, we've seen a situation where we've we've seen the RSI getting down to those kind of levels, 46 times. Um, you know, you've seen it that these kind of levels. If you had bought and held for five days, you would have made money 18 of those times. So it doesn't necessarily mean just because the RSI is low that you actually make money. In fact, it's been a very poor trade to do so. But it does feel to me that the, the risks here are are skewed for a short covering rally. But that's all it's going to be. Yep. It's an overowned overloved position in the dollar and but you're going to see once once you start seeing people's taking a bit off the off the top you're going to see the rats jumping out of the ship and effectively it's like the old saying isn't it you know if you're dancing in the disco the disco catches fire you want to be the closer to the exit point of the exit to the door and i think that's kind of what you're seeing as soon as you see some modest weakness in the dollar you may see a lot of people taking profits at that one time and that causes the you know the euro dollar to move up but it's going to be a short covering uh, situation that, that plays into that as well now i want to go you know continue on the dollar theme as well because i want to bring up the daily chart of uh, of dollar yen uh, that we've got uh, here and we can uh, we should be able to see on the on the on the daily chart of dollar yen if we can bring that up 
you can see the correlation that I've drawn between um, dollar yen, where, which is the candles, and you can see the, the orange line there, which is the two-year US Treasury yield. So, yeah, we talked about, a little bit about what's happening in, in the bond market. Um, and obviously, the bond, higher bond yields are a reflection not just of, of interest rate expectations, but potential inflation, interest growth, uh, and longer term in the 10-year, you've got term premium as well. But this is you know, really looking at the front end of the curve, which is driven by rate expectations. Now, they have got quite rich in terms of rate expectations. Um, yeah, we've nearly got three rate hikes being priced in the Fed funds for, for next year. Seems a bit punchy for me. But you can see, if you want to trade rates, if you want to trade uh, higher interest rate expectations in the US, then you've really done it through euro dollar and you've really done it as this chart shows through through dollar yen and it's been a very strong correlation indeed but what we've got is a breakout um, and i love breakouts i love momentum i believe personally that if we're trading uh, short-termism you know we tend to follow the capital um, we can have a look at various oscillators and, and have a look at where there's kind of divergence playing through um, but given this view, what we're seeing in front-end treasuries, I think personally, if we did see a bit more selling in two-year treasuries and they moved up a little bit higher, uh, we will see people looking to buy there because I just don't see a situation where more than three rate hikes are going to be priced in for next year. So we might see treasury yields come back a little bit. Dolly Yen should probably come back and retest that 115 breakout area, but we'll have to wait. So my preference on this chart at the moment is just to wait for a, a, a retest back of 115 find that support, confirm it, and then and then look, you know, if that starts moving higher, then to buy as well. But, you know, this is a chart that's really come up on a lot of people's radars. You know, this big breakout that we've been seeing and really following is a, a really great play on rates. So, yeah, an interesting one. What do you think? Well, you know, talking about the dollar yen, one of my colleagues that traded on, on a yen desk in Japan for five years, he had his two cents about the dollar yen. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. The dollar yen, the 2015 highs and you go all the way down to the lows of 2016, okay, that 618 retracement, the big Fibonacci level comes in right at 115.50, where we happen to be trading at right now. Right. All right, that level comes in right where we're at today in those highs. So if you're right, Chris, and you think we're gonna pivot around this level and come back off the two, uh, back towards 115, I don't disagree because we're at such a big level on a multi-year basis. Now, one of the things I think you'd have to be worried about if you are long dollar yen, because I think a lot of lot of traders just kind of got squeezed as we went past 115 this week. I think a lot of options were, were trading around those that the big figure level. Yep. And I think a lot of people got squeezed out. In the event that the dollar yen, let's you know, fast forward into next week. We get past this holiday week. Let's go into next week. If we trade back below 115, you're going to end up having a false breakout. You're going to have squeezed out a lot of shorts, and that might set up for a fresh yen rally. Perhaps, yeah. And I think exports are really important in Japan to look at because, yeah, in terms of what's hedging. But yeah, absolutely. As we go into a big December, if we do see volatility kick up, what are you going to see? You're going to see yen strength. And I know the dollar's got safe haven uh, capacity. But, you know, in times of uh, the VIX pushing higher and the S&P pulling back and credit spreads widening, the yen is the absolute mac daddy of safe havens in that situation. So I want to be long, you know, if we do see volatility pick up. But, yeah, my point here is that if, if, if we do see a retest of 15, 115 and it, and it goes up, you know, I want to respect that regardless of what I'm seeing in other markets there as well. Well, you know, Chris, I'm going to stay with the dollar theme and I'm going to take you to the U.S. dollar rand. Now, look... I, I know you don't, you maybe don't believe in Santa Claus, this mythical uh, person <laughs> and all, do, but look, if, if you're right, and going back to the beginning of the show, if you're right and volatility does pick up in December, the place that I'm looking to be 
is I'm looking to sell RAND by dollars because the emerging market currencies typically weaken during periods of what we call risk off or higher volatility. And what you see with this chart is in what we've seen really all of second half of 2021 is we've seen emerging market currencies, which typically will act better when stocks are at all-time highs like the S&P, yeah. they've actually underperformed and we've seen them just weak. And the dollar, you know, the, the dollar South African Rand broke that 115, or excuse me, the 1550, 1560 level. And that should provide very good support on any dip. You know, when you're looking at a chart like this, the move from where we're currently at to the target of an inverted head and shoulder pattern, it's like a 11, 12% move from where we're currently at. And if you can get a dip down to the 15.50 level, yeah. that could provide even another percent possible return over the course of the next, I would say, next couple of months. So if volatility starts to pick up as you potentially think it might, Yep. The dollar rand is where I'd want to be. And I think this inverted head and shoulder pattern is a setup. What do you think about this? Yeah, look, I, I agree. I mean, I think if real rates are going higher, if we see if we do see the 10-year moving higher, as you, as you talk about there, uh, into 2% and the dollar continues, you know, that, that is a toxic, toxic combination for emerging markets. In fact, emerging markets have already been hit pretty hard, you know, over the last couple of months, you know, Turkey and Mexico and all these kind of capacities. And I agree. I mean, the South Africans can, can the central bank there can raise rates. They can do what they need to do. But at the end of the day, if we are to see volatility pick up and, and real rates moving higher and all those sort of toxic flows, then you are going to see that dollar being a wrecking ball on EM. And yeah, if I agree, whether you're trading you know, South Africa, whether you're trading the MEX, you start going into some of the LATAM currencies, for example, yeah, they're going to underperform. Some of those rate hike expectations are going to radically be priced out of, of EM as well. And people are going to use them as a, you know, as, a, as a vehicle to express that long dollar position. And you've just got to have the right risk propensity for it as well. You know, if you are going to be trading dollar SAFA, then you really need to understand that the percentage moves can be much higher than euro dollar and all those, you know, the, the, the DM currencies, the G10 currencies, for example. But I like this, absolutely. You know, as a, as a, if we are going to see vol pick up and, and the dollar continues to steamroll higher, you know, you're going to get some good percentage moves as, as we go into year end, especially as, uh, you know, participations can be lower and, 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 and liquidity in the market could dry up. And, and that technical setup looks quite good as well. So, yeah, I agree. This is kind of a similar sort of trading formatic as, as dollar yen. If it, if it moves back to test that, that, you know, what it could be now support confirms that volatility picks up and then it, you know dollars rallies against the SAFA, then yeah, I think that's going to be a fantastic trade to be in as well. So yeah, really interesting one there as well. And it comes through to, to, to my favourite part of the day. And we're going to go into play of the day. Well, you talked on, on dollar SAFA. Similar situation, if we could bring up the chart of, of dollar MEX, because it's a, it's a similar situation that have been playing through. As you can see, you've got that really strong uh, level of, of, of horizontal resistance playing through, sort of 21.50. Uh, we've broken through that triangle pattern. We've come back. We've confirmed that. You can see it's used that as a sort of springboard uh, to move higher back into that level at the moment. So it is kind of make or break time. This is the art of trading into resistance levels. For me, I want to see a daily, preferably a weekly close above that level. We're testing it at the moment. We're finding supply. We're finding sellers. The dollar mex is coming off a little bit. But I want to wait for the weekly close above that blue line 
um, to confirm that the balls are firmly in control and then you know look to ease into long positions. So I'm only buying this when we can see a close above that level. It may well reject it. We may come back down to the five day exponential. It may come back a little bit in the short term, but it, for me, the best way to play this is a momentum play. Wait for that close above 2150. Look to add uh, to take small long positions on the back of that. And if it starts moving up, I think you're in blue sky territory and I'd look to start adding to long positions as it starts trending higher. So for me, this is one that's firmly on the watch list. I wanna wait for that close above there and specifically on a weekly basis. Then I wanna get long and add to winning positions in that trade. It sure does feel like these uh, these emerging market currencies might be the canary in the coal Could mine, be, yeah, Chris. Absolutely. And Bitcoin as well, perhaps, crypto. <laughs> Well, my my play of the day is going to be the Euro New Zealand. And the Euro Kiwi is one of those currencies that I love to trade it. You know, I love to trade emerging market currencies. I love to trade some of these Euro crosses, some of the Sterling crosses, yeah. especially matched up against commodity currencies like your your home home country currency, the Aussie dollar, or in this case, the Kiwi. The Euro New Zealand has been one of those currency pairs. And you talk about a long-term pivot, Chris. Yep. That long-term pivot on the Euro New Zealand comes in right around the, uh, you know, let's call it the 160, well, let's call it the 162 level. It depends on how close your fibs are, depends on what data feeds you're using, but it comes in right around this 162 level. And we've been holding this pivot on a weekly, monthly basis of multi-years right around this level. And I think a lot of traders, you know, when they trade technicals, they don't look far enough left. You know, they're focused on the four hour, they're fo focused on the daily charts, yep. but they don't really take a look on the weekly charts and look at multi-year levels. The 618, the big Fibonacci level has really acted like a magnet in what should have been a very bullish last few weeks for the Kiwi dollar. You had the RBNZ, they raised rates, you have stocks at all time highs. The question that most traders are asking, why isn't the Kiwi moving higher against the Euro, the most unloved currency? Well, we stay at these levels too long. We break back above 163.50. What that tells me, A, we get a false breakdown. A free, false breakdown catches traders wrong-footed. We squeeze past 163.50. We're heading back to 170. And then also, because we had this big pivot off the you know big 618 retracement on a weekly basis, any move below 161, I'm out. Yep. But I'm looking at a false breakdown here. Break above 163.50. I'm going to be long and I'm looking for 170. What do you think, Chris? Oh, look, I, you know, I like your targets. Go hard or go home. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think from a rates perspective, you can still like the Kiwi. Um, but yeah, I agree. Through that blue line, through the blue horizontal resistance level, um, then I think it's game on. Whether we get to 170, I think you've got to take your time frame out. You know, it's going to be a, a weekly trade. It's not going to be something that's going to happen, obviously, intraday. And that time frame needs to be. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I... Again, it comes down to the risk in the market, the volatility in the market. If it breaks through that horizontal line uh, to the upside, 163 or whatever it is, um, yeah, I think that that's a similar situation as what we've seen dollar mex, where you know you can, yeah, I think the momentum will take that one higher. It feels like it's building a bit of a base, and maybe we go back into the, the into the 50-day moving average or so. So I think that's an interesting one as well. So I like the trade, but again, I want to wait for the market to push me into a trade, and that means going above that blue line in theory. So that's all today. Look, Blake, you're obviously going to be uh, taking it away tomorrow, and I hope you enjoy your your, your turkey and. The Morrow family gets, you. Uh, a, you know, obviously a good feed there. Um, but we'll be back next week, and it's been a, you know, a great first episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, and if you have, just smash the like button, subscribe to the channel where you can. 
but we've been debating all things in equity markets, the US dollar juggernaut that we've been seeing. Yeah, what's been going on with the crude price? Can it push higher? And what does Joe Biden and the team do about that in that situation? We focus a lot on the US dollar, but we focus some on emerging markets, which we think of volatility kicks up into what could be a wild December that those emerging market currencies continue to find that disdain that we've been seeing. So I hope you join us next week for more of the same.